Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the NCC More podcast. Remember, this is the podcast where we want to bring you a little more information, give you a little more understanding on the subject that we talked about on Sunday. Uh, it would kind of be the stuff that gets maybe cut out or edited out of the message just for time's sake. And so we want to give you 15 or 20 minutes add some extra value off of the message of Sunday. And this past Sunday, we just wrapped up a seven-week series entitled Living Holy, Living Holy. And I have to say that we probably got more feedback from this series than any series that we have ever done. So many people, even on Sunday, were buying an entire set of the CDs for uh, for this series and wanting to give them out as Christmas presents. Uh, that's how impactful this series was for so many people. And we've just been talking about how do you live whole in these areas of life. We talked about how do you live whole in your spirit. And that's really what we started with um, because if we don't get that right, then it doesn't matter what we build on top of because we're going to be building on sand and not on the rock, as Jesus told us. So we, we got to get our spirit right, knowing that we're building on a firm foundation. Then we moved and we talked about your mind. How, how do you live whole in your mind? And we Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind or by changing the way that you think. You see, we all want our lives to be transformed, but the transformation of our lives is partnered with the changing of our mind. The battlefield of the mind, as Joyce Meyer calls it, which is a tremendous book. I would encourage you to read that. But she lets us know that that's where the war is really happening. That's the battleground that we are fighting for. And so the scripture says, hey, you can take every thought captive in Corinthians. And it says, and you can make those thoughts obedient to Christ. And so if we can't change our thinking, then we're not going to be able to transform our lives. Uh, then we moved on. We talked about uh, how do you live whole in your emotions? And we have to understand God gave us emotions, but God did not give you over to your emotions. He gave you emotions to serve you, not for you to be a slave to them. So we can live whole even in our emotions. We talked about our physical bodies. How do you live whole in your physical body? And we talked about a few critical areas. Um, we talked about, hey, paying attention to what you eat and to what you drink, how you rest. Are you stretching and exercising? Are you doing the things that you need to do? Because we are, uh, as human beings, we are three parts. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. And if one of those parts is out of alignment, it's going to mess with the other parts. So I might be reading my Bible and praying and worshiping and be building on the right foundation in my spirit. But if my physical body is out of alignment, if I'm not getting the rest that I need, I'm not taking care of my physical body with exercise and I'm eating bad things, then, then it's going to bleed over and start to sooner or later affect my soul and my spirit because we are are all connected in those areas. And then uh, last week, we actually talked about 
uh, relationships. How do you live whole relationally in your life? And I just believe that starts with yourself, right? You you have to have a good relationship with yourself. And that starts by understanding that God really loves you for who you are. When you can accept his love for yourself, then you can give love to others the way that you need to give that love. And so we talked about living whole in our relationships. And then this past Sunday, we talked about living whole in our finances. And that's where I want to spend just a few moments today talking about how do we live whole in our finances. And if you were here on Sunday, uh, then uh, you know our three points. If not, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. But we talked about the three elements of living holy in our finances are one that we would work hard uh, because if you're going to live whole in your finances, then you've got to have some. So you got to work hard to get some finances. Two, we talked about be generous, how we have to be generous with what we have. And then we have to steward well. We must understand the power of stewardship in our lives. Now, whenever we look at Jesus, when Jesus was here on the earth, we see that Jesus taught 30-something parables of which almost 40% of those parables were in terms or, or had something to do with money or possessions. Now, almost half of the parables that Jesus told have something to do with money or possessions. Now, that ought to, that ought to be an alert. That ought to be an alarm for us. Wait a minute. Why? Why was Jesus talking so much about money, about finances, about materialism, about our possessions? Why was he talking so much? Because I believe that Jesus understood how much these things would affect us in every area of our lives. Um, uh, there's a story of what we call the rich young ruler, but it is uh, a man who comes to Jesus and uh, we know that this man was very wealthy, but he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what does it take to get eternal life? And Jesus begins to go through those things and say, well, uh, you know, you, you need to obey the law. And he says, well, which laws? And Jesus gives him a few of those laws. And he says, oh, good. What? Well, I've done all of that. What, what else do I need? Because he's saying, I, I've done all of that, which we, we know there's no way he's lived up to that perfect uh, uh, of a life, uh, but just say, for, for instance, if he did live that perfect for that long and he had truly obeyed all of those laws that Jesus told him, uh, then then he says, uh, but what else am I missing? Because he, he knows that there has to be something lacking. It can't just be living out these things. I've, I've, I've done that. There's got to be something more. Jesus tells him, okay, if you want what you're really looking for right now, then I want you to go sell everything that you own, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the scripture says that this man went away sad, heartbroken, because he had great wealth. Now, I want you to know he didn't go away heartbroken because he had great wealth. He went away heartbroken because great wealth had him. See, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between what you have and what has you. You, you have to see that, uh, that it wasn't a sin for him to have this great money. Jesus didn't rebuke him because he had great wealth. 
Jesus wasn't upset with him because he had accumulated financial means. No, Jesus just said, if you really want what you're looking for, the block is in generosity. And if you learn to be generous, then you will find what you are really looking for in your life. And then Jesus uh, tells us, as we said on Sunday, that you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve God and be enslaved to possessions. And now here's the immediate response that we all have. Because, I mean, nobody's no, nobody right off the bat is going to say, oh yeah, I'm enslaved to money and I know it. I'm enslaved to my possessions and I know it. That is not our immediate response. Our, our typical response is always to defend ourselves. Well, that's not me. I'm not enslaved to money. Well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not addicted to possessions or materialism. No, that, that's not me. That's our initial response always when it comes to money and finances. But, but let's take a step back, right? Let's get away from our feelings and let's investigate the facts. You might not feel like you are enslaved to money. You might not feel that you have to have these possessions, but what do the facts say? Where do you find those facts? You find those facts in your credit card statements. You find those facts in your bank account. You find those facts in the fact of, are you actually giving to the work of God are you being super generous with what God has put in your hand? Or are you taking the wealth that is in your hand and putting them to things that you want? You know, uh, many times uh, we, we like to say, well, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not that way because really if we, if we were just honest, it doesn't feel good, right? Can we just say that on the NCC more podcast? I, I know you're listening right now uh, because you're not just a Sunday morning attender. Okay. I know that you're listening because you want the added value. So let's just get real for a moment. It doesn't feel good to say, yeah, I'm putting myself in front of God. It doesn't feel good to say, no, I'm actually taking what belongs to God, that tithe, that 10%. God said that belongs to me, return to me what belongs to me. But we take that for ourselves, for our own pleasure, for what we want. It doesn't feel good, but what do the facts say? So we have to look at the real facts. And we also have to look at this fact too, and we didn't really get into it any on Sunday, but but I would say that sometimes, uh, let me just say this, that, that having money uh, doesn't mean that you're enslaved to it. Okay, so if you're listening right now and you live in a, a nice house and you drive a nice car and your kids go to a nice school, having money does not mean that you are enslaved to money. And as a matter of fact, sometimes having money in the church, people can actually feel guilty for having money. They can actually be ashamed because they, they have money, because they worked hard, because they had a gift, they had a talent, they had an idea that generated wealth for them, for their family. They can almost feel guilty. Having money doesn't mean you are enslaved to money. It's what you do with the money that you have. That determines if you're really enslaved to money or not. 
you can live in a nice house and be super generous when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to helping the poor, when it comes to giving to the local church, when it comes to making sure that those who have less get can get more through your generosity. The, those those things are realities. You do not need to feel bad or feel guilty for having money. We just need to look honestly and say, what are we doing with the money that we have? Let's just think for a moment, the blessing of people in Jesus's life and in Jesus's day that had finances. Joseph of Arimathea, he's the, the one who actually went to the, the Roman ruler and said, hey, can we can I take Jesus off the cross and put him into a grave? We know that Joseph of Joseph of Arimathea was a wealthy man, a wealthy businessman, and he purchased this tomb for God. You see, when we see Joseph of Arimathea, we see he's not just a man who had wealth, and we can say, well, uh, he wasn't just generous. You see, he had stewarded well because he had something to give in that moment, and that's why as we talked on Sunday, you have to work hard, be generous, and steward well. You don't just get to pick one and say, well, I'm going to work hard, and I'm just going to blow all my money. Or I'm just going to be generous. I'm just going to give, give, give everything that I have. Well, then I'm not stewarding well for a moment like this when there is a need that arises. We need to have something so we can give in that moment. And that's what Joseph of Arimathea had. The moment came when he needed to give. The moment came when he needed to be generous and it's because he had stewarded well and prepared for this moment that he was able to give to God what he had in that moment. You see, there takes uh, there there there's there has to be wealth in the body of Christ. There have to be people that have the money, that have the funds, that have stewarded well to make a place for Jesus. And that's what Joseph of Arimathea did. He created a place for Jesus. How do we get to that place though? How do we get to that place? We have to transform from a get mentality into a give mentality. It's not just about what I can get from God. It's what I can give to God. It's not just what I get from God that's going to serve me. It's what I can give to others for God and through his grace to help them in their moment of need. See, we have to transform from a get mentality into a give mentality. And here's one thing that might help you with this transformation. And I see this in Ella Francesca, who is our two-year-old daughter right now, because everything in the house is hers. Mine. Mine. That's my necklace. That's my purse. That's my toy. That's my stuffed animal. Mine, 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 mine. Here's the thing that can help you is there's not really anything that's mine. It all belongs to God. It's not mine. It's all his. So maybe transforming from a get mentality to a give mentality, I need to take myself through the process of realizing it's not my money. It's not my house. It's not my car. It's not mine. Nothing belongs to me. It is all his. And I am simply called to steward well what God has given me. Let's, let's step out of finances right now and let's even talk about time. It's not your time. It's not, it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. 
all things belong to him. And so when we look at my energy, my effort, my resources, and my finances, they are not mine. They all belong to God. And maybe this is something that can help you make that shift from I've got something I want to get from God to there's something that I want to give to God and give to others. I found that giving really comes down to just a few things. Generosity, really being generous, it, it comes down to a few things. It comes down first to a decision. I have to make a decision. This is who I'm going to be and this is what I'm going to do. I make a decision that I'm going to be a person that gives God the first 10% of my income. I will give God my tithe. I make that decision. I make a decision that I'm not just going to give God my tithe. I'm going to give above and beyond that. I'm going to tap into some real generosity, giving to others out of that 90% that is left over. I've got to make that decision. Now, after I make that decision comes the second part of giving, and that's discipline. I've got to be disciplined to follow through on my decision. But it starts with a decision. You're never going to feel like giving. You're never just going to feel like going above and beyond that tithe. You might not even feel like giving God that first 10%. But no, I've made a decision. And that decision has kicked in now in my discipline. You see, you, you, you can't separate discipline from disciple. And we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And that means that we carry out the disciplines that Christ instructed us to carry out. And so if I'm going to be a disciple, I have to live disciplined. And that means that I have to be disciplined in the decisions that I have made about who I am and what I am going to do. I'm going to give to God. I'm going to give return to God, rather, what belongs to him. I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to be generous. It's who I'm going to be. And then I have the discipline to walk that out in my life every month. Now, let me just close out our time together here today and say that the scripture is very clear, that you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. And when you sow into fertile ground, you are going to reap good fruit. When you sow good seeds into good ground, you are going to get a good product out of that ground. You will be fruitful. And so the scripture says you will reap what you sow. So I, I just want you to know that sowing into God, sowing into God's kingdom, sowing into what God is doing on the earth, sowing into these things, whenever I sow, I will reap. I will reap good things back because I'm sowing into good ground. And so whenever you give, you don't have to give wondering, I wonder what's going to happen with this. No, I give knowing that good things are coming my way. I, 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 don't, I don't give wondering, uh, I don't know what is, am I going to get back anything in return? No, 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 no. I, I give because God has said to give. I give because I'm generous, but I also give with certainty, knowing that according to the promise of God, according to his word, I will reap blessing and benefit back in my life because I am sowing into his kingdom with generosity. We don't give to get, we give to give, but as we give to give, we know the promises of his word and it tells us that we 
will give we will get something in return for what we give. We all know we, we you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God when it comes to grace. Can't outgive God when it comes to your finances. You can't outgive God when it comes to any area of your life. So I want to challenge you today. Work hard, be generous, and steward well what God puts into your hands. And when we begin to live wholly in our finances, when we are whole in our finances, we will discover that some of the other areas of our lives will begin to take care of themselves. Because when you're stressed out with credit card debt, it's going to affect your physical body. It's going to, it's going to affect your soul, your mind, your emotions. Whenever you begin to get into debt over purchases that you've made that weren't wise purchases, okay, it's going to create problems in your marriage and in other relationships. We need to know when I begin to live wholly in my finances, it helps me to live wholly in every other area of my life. So I really hope that this series has, have, have, has had a positive impact on your thinking, on your life, on your perspective, on your view of God, yourself, your family. I really hope that this series has impacted you. And I hope it has challenged you to live holy in all of these areas so that we can live the life that Jesus said we could live. That is a life of abundance, a life of overflow. It's what Jesus promised. And if we will live holy, I believe we will see his overflow in our lives in every way. Thank you once again for joining us. And I hope that you will be with us on Sunday morning. God is doing something special and unique right here at North Point Community Church. And I want you to be a part of it. We'll see you Sunday. God bless.